Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to King of the Hill podcast. I am Mike. And I'm Rusty. Rusty, we have a special episode. Uh, we we do. haven't had a guest in a while. No, it's been a little while since yeah. we've had a guest. Yeah. Uh, so tell us tell us who you brought uh, into the show today. Uh, or who was kind enough to come kind into enough our to come. Well, stratosphere. Well, on Twitter, as you know, already know, I... Uh, I follow a lot of animators. I follow a lot of uh, cartoonists, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people that are in the industry of what we're talking about, being King of the Hill and stuff. And uh, through it, I uh, stumbled on uh, our guest here today, which is John Fountain. He goes by F. F. And uh, I was was fortunate enough to be able to secure an interview with him. He is a, uh, you want to tell us uh, who you are, what your official titles are? Oh, gosh. Well, my official <laughs> titles, uh, they start with Wanted by the State. Um, <laughs> no, no I, I mean, the the stuff I'm best known for is stuff that where I've been either a storyboard artist or a director. Okay. So um, I've, been, uh, I've been a director and or storyboard artist and or series creator at Nickelodeon, Disney, Cartoon Network, Warner Brothers, and probably a few places that I'm forgetting right at the moment. But so sure. pretty much yeah. sure. everywhere that matters when you talk about animation in the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Now, see, that was that was um, about, you know, 15 years of my career. I am currently no longer in Los Angeles. About 10 years ago, um, my wife and I decided that we had had about enough of Los Angeles, and yeah. we moved out of there, and we... Lived for a couple of years in New York, and then COVID hit, and we said, "Let's get the hell out of here." <laughs> and we we now currently reside in the great state of North Carolina, the top oh, wow. of a um, top of a mountain where nobody can get you with exactly, yeah, sure, <laughs> exactly. And frankly, where nobody's targeting anyway, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So so no, and um, but that being said, even about for about five years before <laughs> I left Los Angeles, I had started doing so much work just from home that, yeah. you know, when it came yeah. time to 
uh, get out of Los Angeles, not a lot changed. I'm still, I'm currently the supervising director on a Cartoon Network show that is coming out this spring slash summer. Awesome. Uh, we're literally we're we're literally putting the finishing touches on it right as we oh, speak. Oh wow! No. Uh, is this one of? Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but is this one of the yeah. uh, uh, new shows that's in the new wave of Cartoon Network? Like, because I I know that uh, from from stuff that I've read and things like that, that uh, Cartoon Network is kind of in a uh, reinvention phase and kind of trying to go back to the core uh, cartoons like they were when they first started instead of just, you know, making animation directed just at kids. They're just, they're trying to, you know, right. bring back the core animation thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's what's funny about that is um, this particular show, even though it's going to be obviously aired on Cartoon Network United States, it was created through, um, or, or rather picked up by Cartoon Network Europe which actually handles also handles or deals with Cartoon Network Africa. Okay. And what sets what sets this particular show apart is apart from myself it's an entirely African production. Oh wow. Like, oh wow, that's awesome. I was brought I was brought in as the guy who knows how to make cartoons for a global audience. Uh-huh. Um but apart from me I've been directing remotely from here in the United States over to various countries in Africa and as a super young crew and it's a it's a it's a whole bunch of new people and they're super enthusiastic and the the creator uh is Nigerian and he's he's also really young and it's just it's super exciting so but uh now the thing is people are going to watch this show it's called Garbage Boy and Trash Can okay. oh that sounds lovely that. yeah it's it's a kids superhero show, and if you Google it, there've been a few articles run in like Animation Magazine and Kids Screen and stuff like that. But um, it e- even before the sort of all the various shakeups at Cartoon Network, this show existed as an entity all its own. Like it it began as sort of an incubator program for Cartoon Network to reach out to young creators, and they held various contests, and and the creator of this show. Uh, won that contest and and so that is you know, awesome. this this show this show did kind of exist in its own bubble having said that if you're a fan of the old school art cartoon network shows like powerpuff girls mm-hmm. love it and dexter's lab mm-hmm. and stuff like that oh anything by Travatsky, i love to be, yeah this this show is going to be right up your alley and it's not you know again because no one was really paying that close attention to us we just kind of we didn't go well we're targeting this for this age and we're really focusing on that we're just like let's make it funny yeah that's, that's awesome. wonderful yeah I love that's that. wonderful i it does feel like sometimes that animation over the years has lost that uh let's make it funny part the golden era like the golden era of cartoons where i grew i grew up in the 90s so i got all of the like he's talking about the powerpuff girls mm-hmm. the dexter's lab all that stuff and it was just oh those uh, are great shows great shows. i have to give those to my kids now my 12 year old and uh i have to give them to him to watch because you know, a lot of the st- stuff that he's watching now, I'm just like, it's it, it just doesn't have a lot. It's just not as funny, I feel like, as, as it, it's just not as honestly funny. Yeah, it's, you know, that's always been a thing. And, and that's something, as someone who has created shows myself, mm-hmm. I, like I've sold six shows, oh, wow. but none of them, only, only one pilot ever aired. And that just goes to show, like, how tricky the whole process is. But um, I would always, I, I would frustrate um, my agents, because they would tell me, they're like, you know, you got to go in when you pitch these shows, you got to go in and tell them what age demographic you're, yeah. you're shooting for. Yeah. 
and and eventually I'd be in the meeting and they'd be like, well, who is this cartoon for? And I was like, people who want to be entertained. <laughs> That's fantastic. Love and, it. Yeah, and love they it. always they always found that to be such a radical answer. It's like, yes, okay, yes, it's it's crazy. it is kid friendly. But I will entertain you. I promise. Yeah. yeah. Well, you it know, not that hard. Honestly, yeah. that that feeds into something I was going to ask you about. One of the shows that you worked on was Fairly Odd Parents, right? Yeah, that's that's probably what I'm most well known for. Because yeah. I was the I was the supervising director, kind of unofficially, for the first three seasons of that show. So I'll tell you, oh, well. F, I am uh, I will be 54 years old this year, and so that means I had kids that were very much in that fairly odd parents sweet spot. You know when uh, when the mm-hmm. heyday when the heyday was. And I got to tell you, that's one of the shows that I did not mind watching. watching. And, that, and I know that sounds like a really backhanded compliment, and I don't mean it that no. way. I mean, as a parent of small kids, there's a lot of crap yeah. out there that you have to watch. Oh, goodness. And Fairly no, Odd Parents I, I, was, it actually had a sense of humor. So, no, I, I know exactly what you mean because um, I'm going to be 53 this year. Mm. And and but I but I got started with the whole family thing way late. So my yeah. daughter's only seven. Oh wow! So so I literally just finally got out of the whole like Peppa Pig. <laughs> and what is wrong with that know, pig's face? By the way, there's something uh, wrong with that pig's you know what? face. Honestly, though, I, I I will be I will be totally honest for a preschooler <laughs> show. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. It is. It's not bad. It's not that bad. Max and Ruby's pretty I, good I too. I don't like to act now. I could name you off the shows that I just found to be <laughs> just absolutely yeah. grating and that, that I that I totally couldn't stand. But I've I've made a point mm-hmm. ever since I got ever since I started getting on social media. Sure, I'm like I'm not going to get. On, I'm only going to talk about the stuff I like. I'm not going to talk about the stuff I don't. Like. I don't blame you. I think people can probably look at your resume and go, "Oh, that was it." You know, <laughs> those were the three that he didn't there, like there that is, much. Yeah, there is one major franchise on my resume. Oh. I won't say which one. Sure, that I absolutely hated working on. Really, and it is it is beloved by everybody else, and it it's not fairly odd parents. Okay. But, um, well, you've got some fairly no, no pun intended, but you've got some fairly big shows on here. I mean. You know, when you start looking at, at some of your resume, I mean, you're hitting some Scooby-Doo, you're hitting some SpongeBob. Um, yeah, no, e- I, oh, I, I was I was so eager to stop you before you went there. IMDb has my page completely fouled up. <laughs> oh, do okay, they? I so it's not right on Oh, there. fantastic. I never worked on Scooby-Doo. Oh. I never worked on SpongeBob. Okay. Did oh, you work I, on I South Park? Worked- I never. I did work. I worked on the South Park movie. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, See, for that. me, yeah. uh, I was uh, I was nine when that movie came out. So when we were sneaking <laughs> and watching South Park when I was a kid, uh, we were yeah. young watching South Park. So I would sneak and watch it when my parents went to sleep on Comedy Central. So yeah, yeah that movie was huge part of my like teen okay. years. So that is, that that eliminates a couple of them, right? Yeah. As far as the ones that you, the, don't, you don't like, the big the big hitters that I'm most known for. Yeah. A number one is the Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. Probably, probably immediately second in line after that is Invader Zim. Yeah, which yeah. is yeah. interesting because inv- on Invader Zim, I was the lead character designer for the first season of the show. Oh, that's awesome! Um, like Gurr and, and Piggy and all that. Yeah, except the thing is, that's what that's why this is unimpressive. See, I'm going to be the worst guest you guys have ever had. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. We've here's, had worse. Here's why my here's why my time on Invader Zim was not that impressive. All of the really truly 
awesome characters, the main characters, those were all designed by the show's creator, Jonan Vasquez. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I got the job because, oddly enough, my natural drawing style at the time was very similar to his. Okay. And they needed a character designer and nobody had sort of come close. Now, mm-hmm. shortly after I got hired and after, after about season one, uh, they found this kid, Aaron Alexovich, who's, who was clearly like 10 times better than me. So after season one, I was like, you know what? You guys don't need me anymore. Fairly Odd Parents needs a director. I'm going to go over to Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. 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 And, uh, um, but so that's the, that's the second most famous show I'm, I'm probably known for. The, the third show I like to bring up in my sort of triumvirate of favorite shows to work on is one that hardly anybody watched, but has an enormous online fan base of just the nicest people on earth. And that's my life as a teenage robot. Oh, wow. Yeah, that did, that it was, that was a really well done show. I think I liked that one. I saw that on here, and I was I was hoping that was one that you actually worked on. No, I was a director, a writer, and a storyboard artist on that show, and yeah. I I count that that is on the Mount Rushmore of most underrated shows ever. Oh, I agree. Like you you could watch that now, and it's poignant. It's funny. It's got cool action in it. It was created by Rob Renzetti, who's one of the nicest guys on earth. And Rob Renzetti is largely, he's not the creator of, but he is one of the main brains behind Gravity Falls. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Um, he oh, he also, awesome. when they brought back My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, he's the guy that was sort of the, you know, the the artistic creative juice behind that. So, you know, so My Life as a Teenage Robot was a great show and one that I, I like to bring up in the sort of, top three you know shows that i talk about then i also worked on something again a lot lesser known but for nickelodeon fans from the early aughts uh chalk zone is one that the yeah, people bring up a lot i'm a big that's also got a, yeah that's also got a really you know a really neat uh, really mm-hmm. cool fun fan base that uh, pop up every now and then um door the explorer and yeah. then the one the one that I brag about now, at least when I'm around kids that are of college age, is I storyboarded the pilot for Rick and Morty. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not able to get an interview with him right now because of the reboot for King of the Hill, but uh, I correspond with Wes Archer uh, oh, nice. quite regularly. And uh, yeah, he uh, he's not able to do anything right now because of the reboot for King of the Hill. He's he's you know under right. lock and key at the moment. But uh, sure. yeah, he, he he's he's another one of the uh, storyboard you know director kind of guys that I've uh, yeah. I've gotten to talk to because uh, uh, in in King of the Hill. Uh, there's a lot of just really, really good direction that he does. And there's just, yeah. it's just, it's really like, it's almost cinematic. Like it's not meant to be yeah. in a 20 minute show of, you know, you know, rednecks, if you will. It's, it just doesn't <laughs> right. seem like it, it's meant, like some of his direction is meant to even be in a show that's just, you know, 20 minutes long. I love it. So, uh, no, that's, F, that's absolutely true. F, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to talking like I'm old here. Um, one of the things that I saw on your resume, and you tell me whether this is an actual thing or not, but uh, Bob and Doug in 2009. Yes. Okay. I was hoping, uh, no, see, I, I was so thrilled to hear that you're 54 years old. That's right. You might remember That's Bob it. and Doug McKenzie, the glory yeah. that is Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, now, uh, A, did you get to, did, did, do you meet any of these folks, like the voiceover artists and things? Oh, I mean, I, I have met quite a few, yeah. Okay. And 
Now, I have a great story about Bob and Doug McKenzie. Okay. So for younger folks aren't going to get this, but yeah. Bob and Doug McKenzie. That's all right. It's just for me and you right now. We're good. They they were like Wayne's World before Wayne's World. They yep. were like they they were just they were they were characters from a show called SCTV. Yep. And they were two Canadian bumpkins putting on what is essentially a cable access show. Yeah. And. And there's no way to describe it other than they were just kind of bumpkin rudes and they were funny. They're just idiots who, who <laughs> always go back and watch that. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've never heard of that one. That's and one I never heard of. They're just they're just two idiots that would always come up roses first. You know, I mean they, right. they could fall and right. shit and come out in roses. I mean it just they're shoving mice into beer bottles and taking it back to right. the factory trying and to get the whole, free beer. Right. Yeah, but uh, fighting so, Ma, fighting Max von Sydow and in in, in right. <laughs> stupid comedy. Way, I mean it's now, just. Now you're you're referencing the movie Strange Brew. Yes, You've yes. seen the movie Strange Brew, yes? Yes. yes. Have you have you ever heard of the correlation between Strange Brew and Hamlet? I have not. No. Watch Strange Brew and think of Hamlet. Okay. All right, you got it. It it, it is the story of Hamlet. Bob and Doug McKenzie are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh yeah. And the entire movie is Hamlet. Wow. <laughs> okay. That does make sense now that you say that. Yeah. And brewery, and I want to number one brewery, I want Go ahead. Go ahead. The brewery is Elsinore Brewery instead of Elsinore Castle, as in Hamlet. Well, that makes total and sense then. The 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 daughter is actually um, that she's Hamlet. Yeah. Because you know she goes insane. Right. The hockey player is uh, Ophelia, <laughs> and at one at one point he quote unquote drowns, even though he doesn't die. Sure. But so it's it's Hamlet. The whole thing is Hamlet. Wow. That's anyway, fantastic. So these these characters at the time of you know in the in the I don't know what what was it mid eighties yeah, yeah they they were huge they had a huge comedy album yeah. they were they were well, you know the talk of the town for a while well and, and um, not not to not to interrupt you but uh, the 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 amazing thing about Bob and Doug McKenzie is they were as big as Wayne's World uh, but. It, they were one of the only things I can think of from that time that that had those type of characters that didn't come from SNL. Um, Absolutely, no. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. It was it was Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis. Right. Okay. So right. yeah. Um, during one of my many periods when I was living in L.A., you you know when you're when you're a working animator, uh, particularly as a storyboard artist and a director, you go for months on end where you might be out of a job. You know, a, a show will end its season and they don't know if it's getting picked up for another season right and they'll say to you well we want we want you back but it may be six months before we know whether or not we get a pickup yeah. so during one of those periods <clears throat> um i get a call about a studio that's doing a bob and doug cartoon and i'm like oh i love bob and doug i would love for the opportunity to do that and so the, I, I go to the studio. It's a very small studio, but it is owned and run by Dave Thomas, who is oh, Doug really? McKenzie. Yeah. So I I go there, and to my amazement, you know, Dave's studio is right there, and he's got pictures with, you know, him and Dan Aykroyd yeah. and all these, yeah. you know, famous SNL alum on the wall. Sure. And so anyway, the, the production is, is having problems. You know, they're way behind. They're not getting anywhere. Uh, there aren't that many experienced storyboard artists on it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And uh, for for one of my occasions when I went into the studio, I happened to be talking to Dave Thomas. And, you know, he was griping about the problems. And I said, you know, Dave, I can fix this for you. Yeah. He's like, and Dave's Dave's a grumpy guy, and I love him. He was he great a to work with. He's like, yeah, really? Yeah. How are you going to fix it? 
<laughs> and I go, well, you know, I was a supervising director on the Fairly Odd Parents, and I've learned a few things. Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, a lot of the disconnect comes between the writing process and the storyboarding process. Sure. So how about for every episode, I do quick sketch uh, storyboard thumbnails, they're called, um, with you sitting there right with me while I draw it out in real time yeah. and you can tell me whether or not you like what you see and we'll do that page by page for the script. Wow. He, he thought for a second, he's like, I love it. And so for the next six months, you even sound like it when you do times, that. <laughs> That's great. A couple times a week, I would go sit next to Dave Thomas yeah. and sketch out the show. And it worked like a charm. It It's a, uh, it's a, tragic shame that it never really like i don't know they they wound up just deciding they didn't want to do it and it didn't air but um i feel like it would have you know would have competed with uh you know a lot of the other adult animated uh shows at the time so yeah. anyway bob and doug was a great experience yeah that was that was you 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 crushed that question because i was going to ask you about dave thomas and and how he was and stuff and that's that's fantastic. he's great yeah he just he, what the only thing i saw that was wrong with that cartoon is no rick moranis you know instead you had dave coulier Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, Rick Moranis, uh, and I'm not going to go into oh, yeah. whole controversy. No, no, like, no. I didn't. One one thing I learned about Dave really early on is if he starts to tell you a story, mm-hmm. you just listen. Sure. You know, but but you don't pester him with questions that he might not want to answer. So I didn't go into the whole what was going on with yeah. Rick Moranis thing. Yeah. Rick just but, quit. Um, he quit. Quit everything. You know. I mean, he quit he, Hollywood. Yeah. And, and by the way. I, look, I lived in LA for 15 years. Yeah. I worked in animation, yeah. which is literally just, it's the redheaded stepchild of the right. entertainment industry. And even I got sick of that atmosphere. So I can't blame Rick Moran. I can't blame anyone for eventually going, you know what, Hollywood, it's been great. But yeah. Yeah. Toodaloo. Yeah. Well, especially a guy like him who uh, obviously was a big family man and, you know, all of that yeah. just wanted to, just wanted his family to live a regular life, you know, and that's. Yeah. That's, honorable. That's, it's very respectable it's of him because there's not a lot of people yeah. that go through what he went through that don't continue to, you know, work. Like yeah. work is usually Absolutely. how a lot of people cope with yeah. problems like that. But he said, well, no, I'm yeah. going to put all of my time and effort into my family, which I, I, I like that. So, F, let me let me ask you a couple more questions and we'll get you out of here. Yeah. Um, South Park, uh, uh, Matt yeah. and Trey, any any uh, reflections on that? Um, I whenever <laughs> anyone asks me about that, I'm forced to tell the absolute truth. Sure. Um. I was really just a cog in the wheel on that okay. movie. Gotcha. Uh, did not get to hang out with them. Did, didn't mm-hmm. even really ever get to meet them. I only got to observe them from afar. Sure. Because everything you've heard about the rumors about the just breakneck speed at which the uh, television episodes are made is 100% true. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. The movie was not too uh, different. Mm-hmm. So we were moving at a breakneck speed. And you know this was the the show hadn't been on for that long when right. the movie came out. Right. No, I don't so know. This, right? this was their big bid was. to show everyone, hey, look, we're we're actually we're a force to be reckoned with. So <clears throat> here's what I was able to observe when I would see Trey and Matt come in. And by the way, the the animation director who Butters is uh, is fashioned after was the yeah. guy I mostly worked with, and he was he was a gem. So and and, but, and that's butters butters is like you said that's that's the guy the that they created yeah, butters yeah. from is that mm-hmm. guy? Yeah, Eric Straw was his name, and he okay. was their animation director. And but from what I was able to observe of Trey and Matt, whenever they would come in, 
Um, Matt seemed super chill. I'd hear him on the phone making, you know, reservations for them to go to Vegas and hang out or for dinner reservations, stuff like that. Seemed super duper chill. Trey just always looked like he had been up all night working. <laughs> like, and he, he would, he, this was before everyone was yeah. shaving their heads, but he would shave his head and he was, he was like, wow. it just looked intense. Yeah. He was really serious. And, well. you know, I've, I've heard it from other people who know them better that that's kind of the dynamic is, you know, Trey is, is a re- is really, really serious about it. And, you know, they're each other's yin and yang. You couldn't have one without the other. So, yeah. Well, and um, obviously that system works for them. Uh, they've been pumping oh, absolutely. out. You talk about I, some I guys think, that I pump think of, out content. Of all, the, of all the adult animated shows, South Park is one of the most just consistently funny. I yeah. never watch yeah. it and think to myself, this is no longer funny. Yeah, yeah. No, it is very consistent. Um, now, you said that you sold six shows and only one of them made it yeah. to pilot. You want to give us just a real yeah. brief breakdown on those shows that you sold? Oh, No. that's a great answer okay the the fact of the matter is um i i you know i still have some aspirations that something will be Mm -hmm. done with them Mm -hmm. someday Mm -hmm. and so i I don't want to go i don't want to go into but the one that i made that aired was um part of an incubator program that nickelodeon had at the time called oh yeah cartoons I remember and I had one I you know it was another one of those situations where you could go pitch your idea mm-hmm. and if they liked it they'd make a uh, seven minute short for the right. oh yeah cartoon show which was really just an anthology right. show sure and then if if that short got a good reaction they'd option it for a series wonderful way well, to incubate that kind of stuff get that yeah, stuff flowing absolutely. Yeah. so mm-hmm. mine mine was called the tantrum and it was about a kid superhero who got his superpowers from throwing temper tantrums. Oh, <laughs> oh that's awesome. And I love that. It. it was, it was one of the first things I'd ever pitched and they, they picked it up. And so I got, you know, this was, this was only the second studio I'd ever worked at. Yeah. So they, they picked it up and this was all while I was working sort of simultaneously on Chalk Zone, Invader Zim and the Fairly Odd Parents. Sure. That I was, that I was making this short. And it was actually Butch Hartman, the creative Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah. I asked him yeah. to direct um, my my pilot, and he was like, "No, yeah, you're going to direct it." I'm like, "I don't want to direct. Directing <laughs> looks hard." He's like, "That's exactly why you're going to do it." And so, yeah. by golly, he sat me down and he taught me how to direct, and that wound up being the majority of my career. But what's funny is, so I made the cartoon, and before it aired, just even on the merits of how good it turned out. Nickelodeon bought the rights lock, stock, and barrel. Like they optioned it for a series. I spent a year developing it as a series, and it came really close to getting picked up as a series. Wow. Because it was at a time where, you know, the Oh Yeah cartoon show that it got picked up for, that's where Seth MacFarlane yeah. got his yeah. start. That's where Butch yeah. Hartman got his start. Mm-hmm. Craig McCracken, you know, Craig McCracken didn't get his start on that show, but he got started with the same group of people that were doing the Oh Yeah cartoon. So, like, a lot of great stuff was coming out of there, and I was riding that mojo. Wow. So Yeah, yeah, there was, yeah. That, that, that was what I was going to ask, too, was the Oh Yeah cartoons. That was uh, something that I personally liked a lot of. I'm really big on, like, the... Anthology. I grew up in the '90s. Well, I grew up in the '90s. You know, I was I was an, I'm yeah. a '90 like 1990 was when I was born. So I grew up through all this era of cartoons. So I love all of it. Like I'm I'm really excited to see uh, 
the the revival you know for for cartoon network i'm really excited for this uh new yeah. you know new generation Gar of cartoons Garbage Boy and Trash Can is, I believe, it's going to push all those buttons because we, you know, we, look, I was working with a really, really inexperienced group of people anyway, so my whole philosophy from the very beginning as a supervising director was saying, you know, look, I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm just going to let this one live and breathe as its own entity, and it, it's, you know, it, it's not it's not slick, but right. it's charmingly unslick, yeah. you know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but what it is it may not be slick but it's super funny yeah no that's that's super awesome i'm so looking forward to that um yeah so tell me about uh what what's your relationship with butch hartman you you keep in touch oh no <laughs> <laughs> okay i gotta no, stop it's, ending it's these funny. things with question marks no, I did. I did a. I did a long Twitter thread on this. I have. I have absolutely no ill feelings about the guy. Yeah. Um, he, as I said, he taught me how to direct. Sure. And he made. He created the position of supervisor for me on the Fairly Odd Parents. That's awesome. Yeah. And the reason. The reason he did it was because it was right around that time that Danny Phantom was has right. had also been picked up. Yeah. Right. And so he was being stretched increasingly thin. And so he needed someone who could do all of the things he could do. Mm -hmm. Like he had mm -hmm. Bob Boyle, who was the show's um, creative director. You know, he he handled the look of the show. Mm -hmm. And he had Steve Marmel, who was the head writer, who handled, you know, everything with regard to the scripts and, and all that sort of thing. But Butch needed someone who, in a pinch, could do everything he could do. And, um, you know, I'm one of those very 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 small hand people a handful of people in the animation industry with experience as a writer as a director as a storyboard artist as a mm -hmm. character designer mm -hmm. as a voiceover artist as a like i've done every job there is in the pipeline so right. if one person drops the ball i can jump in and take over that's and that's awesome. what that's what butch needed and so butch created this position for me yeah and it was only when um, it was only up until Disney came a knocking, and uh, you know, like I said, Danny Phantom was was gearing up. Disney came knocking on my door, and they said, mm -hmm. "We've got this show called American Dragon, Jake Long, and we need a director for it." Mm -hmm. and they were like, "You would be the director. You would be the series director." Yeah. And and I mean, the show's called American Dragon. It's about a kid who turns into a dragon. It's right. like, oh, that's mm -hmm. so sure. yeah, that's sure. yeah. Because I had the thing. What's funny is I had gained a reputation at this point of being the the comedy action guy. Like if you had a comedy show with a lot of action in yeah. it, I was your guy. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. Like, that makes sense. Pure comedy shows like SpongeBob wouldn't touch me, and mm -hmm. pure action shows like mm -hmm. Avatar wouldn't touch me. Yeah. But if you had an if you had an action comedy, I was your guy, and that's what they wanted this to be. And so you know, Disney Disney comes to me with this with this wonderful thing. And so I go to Butch and I'm like, you know, Butch, I don't want to go. By this time, I'd been at Nickelodeon for probably about seven years. And by animation terms, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was comfortable there. I was happy there. All my friends were there. Like they would, that studio was family to me at the time. Sure. But this offer was just so good. And I mean, I'm sorry, but Disney is Disney. 
That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. that's and, like the it's like going so, it's like going to the NFL or NBA or whatever. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So so I went to Butch and I'm like, look, look Butch, I want to stay. Yeah. But and here's here are the conditions I will stay. Sure. You either put me in charge of Danny Phantom or put me in charge of Fairly Odd Parents, mm-hmm. and then you handle the other one. You of course would still be the executive. You would be the 800 pound gorilla. Right. But I want to run one of those shows. Sure. And he, as far as I could tell, he gave it very serious thought. But at the end of the day, and by the way, I don't blame him for this. Yeah. He couldn't do it. Yeah. And so I went off to Disney, and my experience on American Dragon was terrible. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and, but and I, I again, I did a whole long Twitter uh, rant on this. Um, the the experience was terrible because nobody could decide what they wanted the show to be and of course the whole time i'm going i left a fairly odd parents for yeah this. yeah i left the number two kids show in america sure. for this yeah and but it's falling apart you know it's just like anything else though i would imagine f at this point you can't go back and you can't look back and you oh, can't yeah. question yourself no. on those choices you just keep on going and it's no. not like it stopped you from doing anything else you know Oh yeah, and and by the way, the experience gave me you know the the kind of insights into you know industry yeah. mechanics that yeah. I that I heretofore never would have had. And you know, once you're once you're in the door in any studio, they look for excuses to keep you around. Certainly. So you know, I wound up contributing a handful of weeks on the Phineas and Ferb movie, and oh, I got to meet cool. some of those guys. Yeah. And, um, I wound up directing yet another one. Of, this would also be on my Mount Rushmore of underrated shows. Um, when both Bob Boyle and Steve Marmel left um, the Fairly Odd Parents because, because Bob Boyle sold a show called Yin Yang Yo mm. that yeah. was a um, a Disney XD or a Disney Jetix show. Mm-hmm. They asked me to be the supervising director of that show, and so at that point I had already been at Disney before, so it was a really easy fit and that that wound up being a great experience so you know yes it believe me there was a period there where i was like oh no what have i done but i i'm ultimately it wound up being uh the right move now um i I don't think butch ever really got over the fact that i left i don't think he liked it right and by the way this is speculation on my part i'm just guessing gotcha gotcha but just based on it now, and I, I saw him in person a few years later, and he, they actually hired me to do a storyboard for, you know, one of the final season episodes uh, that I just, I did a freelance board for. And the the very, very last contact I had with him in any stretch of the imagination is I, I think a while back, it was either the 25th or 20th anniversary of the Fairly Odd Parents, and... Um, Butch put a big post about it on Facebook and I responded something to it like, Hey, congratulations to all involved. This was a great experience for me. And Butch replied, it wouldn't have been the same without you. That's so wonderful. Yeah. That's you know, great. That's great. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, not, I don't believe in the phrase time heals all wounds, but I do believe that we learn more from those sort of experiences than you absolutely. Know, just being, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, if we were just if we were just successful all the time, we'd have a real problem. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. So I've got a couple more things for you, uh, F. If you're okay uh, hanging on with us, um, I'm good. I'm not. I'm not in a hurry. Number one, you you keep referring to storyboards, and so just yeah. for those folks that are listening to us, can you tell us what a storyboard artist does and and how how do you develop that skill? 
Oh boy, uh, a storyboard is the the very best um, analogy I can draw is the storyboard artist is to a cartoon what the architect is to a building. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's um, perfect. So building you know, the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you are the story of that episode mm-hmm. from stem to stern. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And I I do um, a whole. I, I one of the one of the reasons I think I came into contact was with you guys was because I've started doing these sort of long format Twitter threads. Yeah. Uh, one of which explains storyboarding mm-hmm. in minute detail. Mm-hmm. You know, presumably. Uh, as a tutorial for if you want to learn storyboard, right? Yeah. But, uh, s- storyboarding is without question the ha- again having worked all of the various steps in the pipeline. Storyboarding is the absolute hardest one to do and the hardest one to explain mm-hmm. because as a storyboard artist, you're practically a director, you, and, and that means you're drawing out pretty much the entire cartoon and that that means staging posing facial expressions the storyboard artist is fully one half of the character as an actor because you handle all the facial expression all the pantomime you know all that stuff so you you are making the cartoon the director is the one who sort of sits you down and says here's where i sort of see this going but here's the script now take it and go yeah and and a good or bad a good storyboard artist can take a terrible script and make it great and a a bad storyboard artist can take a fantastic script and make it terrible that that's uh, just the fact that you call them art- architects i think is 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 a is a wonderful way to explain what a storyboard artist do, yeah. does yeah and uh, the fact that you're willing to uh in your twitter twitter threads or or wherever explain this to people i think is is fascinating because there's so many people that especially in today's world, uh, this is my job. I'm the only one who's good at it. You can't know what I do. You can't, you know what I'm saying? And so the fact sure. that you're willing to, to tell, and you know, you're, you're shooting at kids or the parents of kids or whatever that, yeah. that are kind of wanting to get into this, these artistic kids. Yeah. I taught art for a little while. And so, you know, you're talking to all the weirdos out there, you know, and that's, oh, and, yeah. and that is, that is a okay, because guess what? the regular kids in school and the teachers in school aren't talking to these weirdo kids. And so somebody needs to, to tell them, you know what, oh, yeah. you can use what you do and actually make a living. Well, that's the thing. I, I have, I, I have always made a point of like sort of, um, cultivating, um, or, or putting myself around, uh, up and comers because, you know, those are the, those are the people who are hungry and those are the people who are eager. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't go like everyone I came up through the ranks with both on my, my very first sort of big show was the Wild Thornberries. Yeah, I was going to ask you about and, that. Yeah, that's one of my yeah, we, that's well, personally we one of that, but, that, that's personally one of my favorites from Nickelodeon to that era because uh, I'm British. I'm a British American, so uh, wow. uh, I'm actually not American at all. I'm a British national. You can hear it in his voice. Yeah, you can hear it in my voice. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so the Nigel Thornberry, and then I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I just loved it. I love Safari. I love the Safari feel and everything. So it was just yeah. it really was one yeah. of my favorite shows. Yeah. I really uh, well, from, I really like internalized uh, Donnie. He was probably my favorite yeah. character. Flea. When, when, uh, see, that was my very first show, and that mm-hmm. show was like 
storyboarding boot camp yeah. because it was at a time, first of all, the only reason I got the job was because it was at a time in animation where it was around 1997 mm-hmm. and it, there was a huge boom going on yeah. for animation, both yeah. primetime and Nickelodeon. Sure. And if you could hold a pencil, you could get a job. <laughs> and fortunately I could hold a pencil. <laughs> and so I got, now I, I had come to Los Angeles thinking I'll be a character designer. That's the kind of thing I can do. I'm, yeah. I'm good at drawing funny characters. So I'll be a character designer. Yeah. And, and through this long series of just almost freakishly uh, um, uh, bizarre circumstances, I wound up getting an interview with Klasky Chupo for the Wild Thornberries. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we don't need any character designers. Can you storyboard? And I lied through my teeth and said, you betcha. <laughs> like, yeah, fake it till and, you make it, right? Right. And so the next day, I'm, so, I'm surrounded by people who all went to school for this. Yeah. and who all knew what they were doing and i'm suddenly being told okay here's a zebra stampede now storyboard it <laughs> and so like i said it was boot camp i had yeah. to learn and i had to learn fast yeah and by and and that's the thing as i mentioned i didn't go to cal arts i didn't go to sheridan i didn't go to RISD, i didn't go to any of these highfalutin uh, animation schools. I didn't know animation schools existed. Right. I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan. There okay. you go. <laughs> I, I have, I have a degree in art and it's a regular old art degree. It's right. got nothing to do with cartooning. It's got nothing to do with visual storytelling by any stretch. So I wanted to, you know, create a bridge for the people. Cause I get asked all the time, how do I break into animation? How yeah. do I do this? How do I do that? And there's never a good short way to answer those questions. And so I'm now two chapters away from finishing up this 12-chapter series, Storyboarding 101. And then prior to that, one of the other questions that I get asked all the time is, hey, I've got a great idea for a show. What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. So the, the very first uh, long-format thread that I did was how to pitch a show. Yeah. Uh, and how to, how to create and put together a Bible and how to do all this stuff so that you can pitch a show. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, to yeah, that's to really either cool. networks or media outlets or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah and, and again, this this is for all the people who, you know, because CalArts is crazy expensive. CalArts, mm-hmm. where I taught for a mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Never oh, went you? there, but oh, I cool. taught there. Yeah. Crazy expensive. Sheridan, crazy expensive. And... Mm-hmm really picky about who they let in. So, right. and the thing is, I know for a fact that there's talented people out there who aren't going to be able to go to these schools and who aren't going to get the same shots. So, you know, I, I wanted to provide something that I would have loved to have had at my disposal when I was up and coming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, you know, that is, that's the epitome of teaching, right? I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate goal to teach is, is to, pass along your experience and stuff uh, so that others can learn. I mean, it, we just don't get enough chances to do that as instructors or teachers or, no, or whoever. No, absolutely. Well, when, when I was at Nickelodeon, CalArts was very regularly sort of poaching people from Nickelodeon to help sort of uh, fill out their their faculty. Right. And at one point, I, they, they were like, hey, do you want to come teach story for, you know, third-year students? And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. sure, why not? That sounds like fun. It was more than fun. It was, it was just one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. So ever since then, I've made a point, you know, uh, there was a whole year of my life where practically all I did was tour the U.S. and Canada doing speaking engagements, tutorials, uh, uh, and, and workshops at animation schools, 
um, to, to give people my insights on this stuff. Like I just, I love teaching and I, and even when I'm not, you know, lecturing or, or teaching somewhere, I always make a point of having at least, you know, one or two apprentices, you know, sort of like I, I, um, found someone on Twitter recently who literally volunteered. He was like, Hey, if you ever want help, if you ever, you know, I'm just looking for any way to break in. And I go, well, I'll tell you what, you know, I will teach you some stuff and I will give you assignments. And so, so that's what we're doing right now. And, and also this, um, my storyboard artist in Africa, his name is miles. And he's, you know, again, he had never had something like this put in his lap and his, growth has been exponential it's just it's amazing to watch um people who hadn't been given an opportunity to do something like this before and just watch the progression from like zero to 60 in no time flat it's really rewarding you know yeah, absolutely I, I have i've said before i i love teaching but i don't like being a teacher you know so there's there's, <laughs> there's two very different things to that so That's absolutely true it, when you're a teacher you have to deal with adults and so i didn't i didn't enjoy that part of it so yeah well Cal Arts didn't like me because I would regulate because, um, you know, just as Cal Arts would poach from Nickelodeon, Disney and Nickelodeon would poach from Cal Arts. Like if someone started to appear as a rising star out of, the, out of that school, they would get offered a job. And I would always tell the students, hey, if you get offered a job, you take it because school's not going anywhere and nothing teaches better than real life experience. Because, I mean, look, that's that's how I learned. I had to learn on the job. Yeah. And consequently, I do believe that that's why, you know, among all, even though I, I came into the industry with less experience than anyone I knew, I was the first person to get made a director. Yeah. I was the first person to sell a show. And I, I think the, the reason for that was because I came in without all the prejudices and without all of the, you know, sort of uh, reverence for the lore of animation mm-hmm. that all these mm-hmm. that all these people sort of grew up with and and look i i revere you know all that stuff as well but i was able to come in and go wow there are some areas where you guys are just wasting all kinds of time money and resources and it's not necessary and so i just yeah i sort of i i worked out a way of making cartoons better faster cheaper without a reduction in quality that's 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 fantastic so um, I, I think we have come to the portion uh, where I ask you about something that deals with this show. Uh, yeah. So if you're ready, John, we'll go ahead and start the interview. No, it's just a joke. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> let me. Yeah, what are we going to talk about? Some King of the Hill. That's right. That's sake. right. So let me ask you about King of the Hill. Um, what are your your recollections? And is there any crossover for you? Experience anything there? Do you know anybody affiliated with the show? Maybe like I mentioned, Wes Archer because I know he uh, I know he works on Rick and Morty. So I didn't know if you had to work with him or not while you were doing the the storyboard for the pilot or nothing. Yeah, I I ha- yes, uh, um, Wes Archer. I believe I have crossed paths with before, but uh, when it comes to it's funny. I I've never had much luck with apart from Rick and Morty. And apart from South Park, I've never had much luck with any of the primetime adult animated series. I could not get hired on Family Guy, mm-hmm. could not get hired on The Simpsons, could not get hired on Futurama. Mm-hmm. They want nothing to do with me, yeah. which it's not, that's not, you know, the the genre that I, you know, have the most experience in. So yeah, I'm not sure. even mm-hmm. resentful about it. I don't yeah. blame them. As for King of the Hill, I remember that premiering when I was, I was still living in Michigan and pondering uh moving to los angeles yeah. to try yeah. my luck at all this sure. and 
I remember I was a huge fan of Beavis and Butthead. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time being like, no, 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 you guys don't get it. Beavis and Butthead (laughs) is brilliant. (laughs) Beavis and Butthead was meta before anybody else was meta. Absolutely. Um, You know, and and one of my favorite characters on Beavis and Butthead was Tom Anderson. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's great. You did a good job on that one. When they first started talking about King of the Hill, I was like, oh, this is going to be the adventures of, of Tom Anderson. And so when I discovered that it wasn't the adventures of young Tom Anderson, yeah, I was yeah. at first a little taken aback and disappointed. Sure. But then I watched it. And it's Tom Anderson. And I was like, this is, this is, this is a great show. Yeah, yeah, no, it's funny. I've I've very much lost this ability. But when I first moved to Los Angeles, I could do a dead-on Tom Anderson and a dead-on <laughs> Like, I could do any voice that Mike Judge could do. That's fantastic. Like, I did a... I did a great Beavis and Butthead. My my Tom Anderson. Well, Tom, let's face it. That's Tom really Anderson good. And Hank Hill yeah. are pretty much the same thing. I sell propane and propane accessories. That's, right. that's really really that's good. Right. It's it's propane or get off my lawn. You know, it's one get of those two. Lawn, <laughs> that's yeah. it. That's one the of difference. one of my and it, this might have been in the first episode where because one of my favorite things about Hank Hill was his obsession with his lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was talking about someone else's lawn and I don't know what they did wrong with their lawn, but it was like, that's a terrible thing to do to a lawn. It's like a, it's like a pretty girl with short hair. <laughs> I think I'm he like, was talking about the neighbor scalping his yard. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Is that what I, Oh, I, and, and so from that point on, I, I was really hooked on season one. Uh, and still pretty en- enthusiastic about season two and three. I heard the sure. show you guys did the other day about um, uh, season three and them trying to get the uh, uh, football team over back yeah. to. Uh, uh, and and um, I remember that episode, and I, re- I remember, yeah. um, you know, just thinking, well, surely this show is not going to last past three seasons because it's mm-hmm. not set in Los Angeles and because yeah, it's not set right. in New York. You got it. And because it's it's what I still love about the show and why i'm glad it's being revived and why i'm i'm just pro even though i stopped watching after about season three i've been pro king of the hill Mm -hmm. because it's about regular frigging people that's That's what i like about it i think that's like its success and the reason why it lasted so long was because it like you said it's not la it's not new york it reaches the middle part of America. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. a TV show created for middle America by somebody who lived uh, at one point in his life, a middle American, you know, lifestyle yeah. grew up in, uh, oh. you know, a suburb of Dallas, that kind of thing. You know, F, I yeah. mean, I've said this before about Hank, you know, everybody goes in thinking he's a redneck and he's really uh, a very, no. he, he's a, he's a huge centrist, you know, he doesn't, yeah. doesn't really go one way or the other. And, and if you watch the show the way that we've been watching it, um, Every episode ends with a, a a morality play at the end. You know, I mean, everything oh, yeah. is everything is family, uh, faith. I mean, it's 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 yeah. honestly yeah. very, but not it's only a very that, sweet show. Not only that, oh, it's yeah. it's the it's the great direction too mm-hmm. of the animation. Mm-hmm. Sure, like yeah. it's just so well done and so well like just mm-hmm. the orchestration of it and yeah. how he's got it. Like how, how I don't know. It's just it's cinematic sometimes. Well, what amazes me about the show sometimes, and John, maybe uh, sorry, F, the, you'll uh, you'll play into this. Uh, the the characters are are very simple. Honestly, oh, yeah. you know, there's no there's no uh, real detail to them. 
Um, no. Well, because they were written, be- they were drawn by a guy who was just well, sure. like, he wasn't an artist. He but was just, just trying his hand at animation, and it really worked for him. Yeah. My point, my point was though that that you don't need the detail. You yeah, know, you it's don't. it's yeah. all in the writing. It's all in the story. Um, you don't even need the action, really. You know, no, the, you don't. the most active thing I can think of is Peggy falling from the sky. You yeah, know? I mean that's well, that's, ex- that's that's exactly it. I mean, whereas it seems like. You know the the Simpsons and and yeah, again, boy, sure. the Simpsons for the first seven seasons of that show, mm-hmm. I was a devoted yeah, me follower. Too. Yeah. Um, but like nowadays, every episode ends with a car chase or right. with a you know, right. or, or a musical number. Yes, that's the other yes. big thing. It's like yes. every every friggin' adult oriented primetime show has a musical, a musical number, number in yeah. it now yeah yeah it's it's no longer the characters are no longer the star it's the town that's the star right um, that's what i, I liked I about king of the hill yeah yeah i don't respond to that it's like no. king, king of the hill is about the characters and the characters have subtlety and they have nuance and yeah i'm know, not like sure said, uh, i'm not i'm not sure how aware you are of uh the cancellation around king of the hill or not or wh- what you know about it but uh how do you feel personally knowing that uh, King of the Hill was canceled for a mediocre show like The Cleveland Show? Do you have any emotions I, on know, that? It's it, Whenever it comes to decisions like that, sure. I, I have to say I gave up kind of trying to understand, understand the thinking it, yeah. behind a lot of decisions a long time ago because, you know, my, my pilot at Nickelodeon was up against one other that got picked up and absolutely flopped. You know, yeah, it's right. it's one of those things where, and, and by the way, and this is, you know, this is the part where I'm supposed to talk about what a bunch of monsters executives no, are. No, Some no, of my no. best friends are executives. Yeah. Um, it, it really is, you know, everyone is really just trying to figure out, you know, what do people want? You know, yeah, yes, for sure. they're, you, you have you have people who go in and they have their agenda or they have their this or they have their that. But for the most part, you know, everybody wants a show to be hit. Yeah, the trouble absolutely. Is, the trouble is, you know, for these executives, and I, I can't help but sort of feel for them a little bit. If you, if you get behind a show, and that show only does mediocre, mm-hmm. your ass is fired, and right. you never work again. Oh, right. for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you can almost do better if you push a show that's a flop. Yeah. Uh, but if you push a show and it only does okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're then you're done. That's that's a stain on you forever. Because and part of the problem is so many great shows took a few seasons to get their bearing. I mean, if yeah, if that was what killed that, me though was the Cleveland show was canceled after four years, and I, here I am. I, I had twelve years of King of the Hill. It was a really obviously it's a really big show for me. I'm sitting here doing a podcast about it, but it was like yeah. such a such a huge show for me. I, I mean, I, I I literally it's on right now at my house. It's on my TV just playing right now. Like it literally loops twenty four seven on a TV I have in my game room. And See, uh, it, it could have been one of those things where it's like, well, we've got 12 seasons of King of the Hill. Let's try something else. Yeah. You know, yeah. sure. Well, I think it was sure. I think it had a lot to do with the success of American Dad and Family Guy, honestly, sure. like Seth MacFarlane. It's not very often that you get such, you know, good shows from one individual mm-hmm. creating that much, you know, popular the stuff that's like primetime popular like that. And I feel like that's right. what it mainly was. Well, is he had these two great big shows and King of the Hill was like on its yeah. on its on the back half of its sure. lifespan. Sure. 
And uh, it did still have a good following, but I think the following for King of the Hill now is probably bigger than it was yeah. at the ending of the show because I I, I, I troll on Twitter, uh, not troll <laughs> as in trolling, but I, I, I troll, you know, patrol Twitter uh, and look for all the King of the Hill stuff. I literally just type in King of the Hill and I just sure. scroll down and look at everything. And it seems that... Uh, whenever this resurgence happens, they're gonna they're gonna be even bigger than maybe they were at the oh, very yeah. beginning. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, you can't feel too bad for Mike Judge because <laughs> no, and, and no, I can't at here's, all. Here's the thing: Mike Judge is living the life of Riley because, yeah. you know, between Silicon Valley, which, oh. by the way, oh wow, holy cow, one of the best shows. Yeah. That, yeah. that that is that is one of the best shows ever. It's just such a great um, ensemble cast. You know, it just is. such a great cast. Great show. And. And I don't know. There was a little movie called Office Space that, <laughs> that was I good. feel like no, that was a great one. Yeah, and then he's uh, we actually got to uh, that's my that's one of my top four. Yeah, we're actually uh, I'm trying to work out uh, an interview with Diedrich Bader right now too. And oh, uh, wow. he's yeah he's been a, he's well, been hard to pin down, but I'm trying to get an interview with him because uh, he's not only one of my favorite like. Uh, voice actors for king yeah. of the hill but he's like one just of my favorite guy. he's one yeah. of my favorite like funny guys i was i was guy. really big yeah. on the uh drew carey show so i, I met yeah, him yeah. one i met him one year at an autorama when i was about 12 <laughs> does that count that counts yeah, yeah we'll, sure. we'll okay. count. all right see and then and by the way i since i've mentioned all those other things i yeah. i would be remiss if i did not mention the prophetic masterpiece that is idiocracy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is super so prophetic. It, yeah, I love it's, it. It's frightening how prophetic. Yeah, yes. it is. It's so, terrifying. So the fact of the matter is, Mike Judge doesn't have to worry. No, you know, no, he, no, has, he, don't. he has his audience, and his audience will follow mm. him anywhere. Oh, yeah, I will. And I would follow him into I'm, a burning building. I, I really would. Yep. Like his By, uh, his comedy is. By golly, that is what you want. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You you can you know, and honestly, that's. In in a very sort of silly, everyone's going to make fun of me for saying this, but this is sort of what I'm trying to establish on Twitter myself. Like I've yeah. literally only been on Twitter for a year. Yeah. Oh wow. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, a, a lot of these people like these shows specifically for what I contributed to them. Yeah. It's like maybe there's an audience for my stuff, and maybe I can. Just put out stuff, you know, yes, also, also in the form of tutorials, but I'm also going to do some comics and car and sure. really dumb. I have a YouTube channel where I put really just dumb stuff up on it. Yeah. But, you know, this is this is the same guy who did your favorite episode of The Fairly Odd Parents, right. or the guy yeah, who sure. designed the, the tongue-walking monster on Invader Zim, or the guy who did that, you know, so... Um, and, and that's the thing. I, I've never felt like I needed a, a humongous audience, but I like enough of an audience to feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to tell this joke and they're going to think it's funny. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you if, uh, there, there is some, there is some wisdom in there in that, in that whole audience thing. Um, you know, w one of the other things I do here is I run the, the podcast network that we have. And one of the things I will tell some of these smaller shows, more niche shows, I'll say, you, you know, I, I don't need you to have, you know, a million followers on your show. I right. don't need you to have a million downloads. I need you to have between 100 and 1,000 that count. 
You know, I need you right. to have that audience that cares enough about what you say to follow you. Right. You know, that's yeah. that's what I need. And, and I need that quality over quantity. And I do social media stuff, too. So when I, t- I try to give people advice on social media stuff uh, where he says quality over quantity. Yeah, it's quality yeah. over quantity on yeah. social media stuff, too. Yeah. You know, it's 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 create, it's creating content with sure. intent. A lot of people create content and put yes. stuff on social media mm-hmm. and they're just, you know, just blindly yeah. doing it, hoping yeah. something sticks instead of having even just a slight you just, you know. 5% of intent behind it would, it, it changes, Absolutely. it changes the direction, you know? Well, see, and that's, that's where I should, I should also mention there's, there, there are two big things that I'm kind of uh, really excited about that are, that are going to be coming out this year. Okay. One is garbage boy and trash can. And okay. if you, you know, if you're one of those cartoon network, old school people who just like love cartoons that are cartoons for cartoony cartoon sake right that's going to be that's going to be the the offering i have for you in the upcoming year awesome the other thing i did is um i hooked up with a couple of fellas in los angeles to create a show that is uh coming out on youtube this year called mad panda and ribbit okay and that is for my more grown-up audience and it is it, it it's one of the very few shows where, um, and it, it looks as slick as anything on TV. Yeah, you guys already have and, a website and stuff for all that already. Yeah, out? there's yeah, it's it's up there on YouTube. If you just go to Mad Panda and Ribbit, oh, I've awesome. got links on okay. it all over my cool. all over my Twitter. Excellent. But uh, um, it's it's one of the only occasions where you know it's it was me and the two creators doing the whole first two episodes and they just let me do my thing. Like they just left me alone. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Don't you just love that when you you're doing your oh. job that you know how to do and they just let you do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love uh, that. It, it, and, and it shows in the work. And I, I, this is something I, I went on a rant about the other day. It's like, you know, this business of making cartoons, it's not rocket science. Everybody is yeah. always looking for what is the secret ingredient? What is the secret ingredient? Right. The secret ingredient is your people making the show having a good time doing what they're doing. That always shows through. You can watch a show and you can tell when the people are tortured, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you can watch a show where you can tell people are having a great time. And that is always the magic ingredient that makes something a hit. And in both of these instances... Quick question about we, the Mad Panda just thing. Been having a blast. Yeah, what's that? Sorry. Uh, no, quick question about the Mad Panda thing. So I've looked up, uh, I, I typed it in and saw it on Twitter. Are you the uh, the guy who drew the different, uh, the panda, uh, like Tupac, the panda dressed as yeah. Lil Wayne? No, I didn't I didn't draw those specific drawings, okay. but I helped, to de- I helped to develop the show. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. And I'm I'm the supervising director of the show, and oh, I did beautiful. all the storyboards for it. That's can't so wait! Yeah, I can't wait. Show, is it already out? Is that what is it? Is uh, already no, out? it's coming out. There's a there's a bunch of teasers up on YouTube. Okay, cool. Um, and it was created uh um by Evan Bogart and Justin Gray. Now Evan Bogart and Justin Gray, Evan Bogart, his dad has a biopic out about his his life right now because he was the record producer behind Kiss and oh, yeah. behind a whole bunch of other stuff. So and and Evan Bogart himself is a huge music producer and a, and a, you know, songwriter and whatnot. I mean, he, he wrote Beyonce's halo. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So, That's just, crazy. Ray is also really huge in that industry. And they wanted to do a show, um, that mixed both music and, you know, comedy in, in cartoon form. And there was, and they, they came and found me 
and the result is Mad Pan and Ribbit, and it's just it's the culmination of sort of our sense of humor. And that's the thing, our sense of humor just gels completely. And that too is gonna be so like I say, I've got I've got two offerings coming up in the very near future. For the folks who like the sort of cartoon network style, we got Garbage yeah. Boy and Trash Can. And then for the folks who like the sort of more Rick and Morty family guy, you know, more right. adult oriented humor, it's Mad Pan and Ribbit all the way. And in, in both instances, they are they're they're situations where I was just allowed to do my thing. Yeah. And so and for our audience, uh, if you want to find that, uh, you could go and type in Mad Panda and Ribbit, like the frog, Ribbit. It's, uh, yep. And also, they abbreviated a lot, and it's Mad P, the a, a, and symbol, and A, and Ribbit. So I like that yeah. little unique thing they did with the and there in the middle of Panda. I like that. Well, or, and if you just follow me on Twitter, I'm going to be promoting the, the hell out of this stuff. And, and you guys can <laughs> find him at Twitter at John F. Fountain. That is where you'll yeah, be able to find him on Twitter there. Yeah. My 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 Twitter name or whatever is at Fountain Cartoon. There you, there go. you go, Fountain Cartoon. So, F, uh, it, real quick, on, on your way out of here, I've got uh, one little thing that just popped in my head as I, as you were talking. Um, yeah. Any any experience at all with, with John K., um, Ren and Stimpy, John K.? Uh, not, not directly. I met okay. him once. Okay. Um, didn't, didn't really get a feel for what yeah. type of person he was gotcha. or anything. I've worked with many, many people who were, mm -hmm. uh, who were close to him, who were at his side, who, right. you know, were part of that whole Ren and Stimpy thing. One of my best, you know, I don't want to say best friends cause it's not like we call each other on the phone and go, what are you doing? Right. Um, sure. but one of my good, no, you hang up first. Good, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> yeah, no. What? What am I good? I'll I'll go ahead and say pals back mm -hmm. from my Oh Yeah cartoons early Nickelodeon days is Vincent Waller. Okay, and he was the director of the Rubber Nipple Sales. Oh wow! So yeah, he was. He was you no, know, he was one of John Kay's like right hand dudes. Yeah, and he also went on to be, you know be a, a big force on SpongeBob. And yeah, he's done. Yeah. A, you know, he's he's a legend. He's animation royalty. Yeah. Um, so I, I know him. I've been to his house a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. I know that guy, Bob Boyle, who was the, right. you know, uh, the art director for the fairly odd parents also mm -hmm. worked for John mm -hmm. K. So, you know, I, I, I've been John K adjacent many sure, times, but sure. never, awesome. never really worked with him. So, so, um, um, it, it just, that was absolutely a sweet spot for me was that Ren and Stimpy era. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. um, <clears throat> To me, when I look back at that that time, I watch some of the cartoons. Um, don't you think everybody in that uh, production was just nuts? I mean, they just they had to be nuts, right? I mean, the stuff they were putting out at the time, it just didn't exist. I mean, there wasn't anything you like that. You talking about Ren and Stimpy? Yeah. I wonder if it, but, I wonder how much of it was drug fueled. None, could have been. Some. Could have been. <laughs> I actually, from from what from what I understand, almost none of it. Really? No. It, that, well, that's what it, people what say it, is that a lot of this stuff that we think people are on drugs so, creating, they're just they're just crazy no, to begin yeah, with. Maybe, they're just crazy people, so they make yeah. crazy stuff. They they were just trying to tamp the voices down in their head. Is yeah. All it was. That that's exactly it. See, the thing yeah. is, for for a long time, cartoons were not funny. Yeah. And they yeah. weren't they weren't focused on humor. They Absolutely. were focused on selling toys. Mm -hmm. And so when John Kay came along, and by the way, John Kay was also there with Joe Murray, who mm -hmm. created 
again, in my opinion, one of the most underrated shows of all time, Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, yeah. Um, when those guys came along and did shows that were cartoony cartoons that mm-hmm. were meant to be funny, mm-hmm. and same thing goes, by the way, with Craig McCracken and Gendy Tartofsky and yeah. all those old Cartoon Network guys, it, w- it wasn't so much that they all started taking drugs and going crazy because I don't think any of them did. <laughs> yeah. What happened was they were unleashed. Yeah, unleashed. You know, they, they were they were suddenly sort of taken off the leash and, and all at once everyone was like, oh, wow, I guess people like things to be good. <laughs> and I guess, I guess the people to make cartoons should be cartoonists. And so, yeah, no uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's largely how, how I was when I, there was a period, um, you know, the wild thornberries was, like I say, that was just work. Like that was just hard. You didn't get to contribute to the story. You just followed the script. And and by the way, I it was a great show. I was grateful for my time on that show. But once I had started on The Fairly Odd Parents and Butch had started to really give me carte blanche to sort of change whatever I wanted in the script and to add and subtract and to uh, punch stuff up with gags, you know, that's that's how I felt. I'm like, ooh, I get to suddenly be funny, yeah. you know? And, yeah. um that is so i think i think that's what it was i think there were a lot of frustrated animators who knew they could be funny but just weren't given the opportunity yeah absolutely i believe it i i just i just love the sentiment on that show and just the 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 way it's presented i love the close-up stills and all the things you know just just kind of reinvented and gave me that that looney tunes feel again you know plus it yeah was, plus it was gross and so that that helped yeah you yeah. know that helped a lot it was it was it was a return to what cartoons were intended to sure absolutely to be. Well, uh, F, if you could do us a big favor and give us all of your uh, the ways people can can find out about projects coming up, uh, how they can uh, watch your your uh, unhinged rants on Twitter and and all of that, uh, we would really appreciate it. Uh, sure, no problem. Well, the for for all things me related, just just look me up uh, at fountain cartoon that's f-o-u-n-t-a-i-n just like a water fountain so at fountain cartoon uh reach out to me on twitter i'm really accessible that's cool Um, obviously this is apparently this is apparent how successful he is he decided to uh give us an hour (laughs) or so of his time just a bunch of country bumpkins from texas that's right we really appreciate it you know i love me some country bumpkins from texas (laughs) and and the fact the fact is um you know, one of the I was telling to someone about this on Twitter the other day. They sent me a, a DM, uh, just saying, "Oh my gosh, you had such a great effect on my childhood." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote directly back, and I was like, "What? You really have no idea how much that means to me. Thank you so much." You mm-hmm. know, blah blah blah. And they're mm-hmm. like, "I can't believe you wrote back." Mm-hmm. And and I keep yeah. telling people, you know, when when I was uh, really making my bones in the business, there was no Twitter. Yeah. There was no, yeah. and yeah. people had stopped writing fan mail. Sure. You know, there, there were a few news groups out there on the internet, but there was no direct one-on-one contact with fans. It's only, it was only when I started discovering on Twitter, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole group of people out there who loved my life as a teenage robot. Yeah. Um, there's a big, there's a big we, uh, we, cult following for that. We, we had no way of sort of interacting with the fans or, or sort of hearing what did they like? What did they did? What did they not yeah. like? You know, all this stuff. So, for me, this opportunity to be able to, you know, really just touch base with people yeah. Yeah. who who loved it in the past and and then also get a feel for, what, you know, what are people looking at now? What do people like now? And, 
and what's and what's funny about that is is I'll every now and then, you know, uh, bump into someone who's the creator of a newer show mm-hmm. and then be like, wait a minute, you're John Fountain. You, you work on such and such. Oh my gosh, that was such a huge influence. So it's like, I I'm seeing a new generation of creators who are influenced by the generation that I came from. Yeah. yeah so that's great. It's, it's just, it's a real pleasure. It is. It's just crazy to me that the people are growing up in a world where they can get immediate feedback you know, to yeah, yeah, yeah. things that they do. And that's just, that's such a blessing and a curse at the same time. I uh, would yeah. Imagine. yeah. It's been, yeah. it's been, and it's been great for us too, with our little podcast, because, uh, we actually, we, we, we have built a sizable, what we consider for country sure. bumpkins, a sizable following. And, oh, uh, sure. uh, no, but, I, uh, I listen to your show. You, you guys do a great show and well, it's, thank you. In, a, in a world where everybody's doing a podcast, you guys, put on a, on a great show. So well, we appreciate that. Yeah, we, appreciate it. we've we, been doing it about a year now or so, this particular podcast. Mike's been podcasting for a little bit longer than I have, but this is my first podcast to ever do. So uh, the fact that, you know, somebody who's uh, as established as you are in media, I, I appreciate that you uh, that you enjoyed our show. Uh, also, I'm, I'm also working on, I'll have to have you on as a guest whenever I get this show fleshed out, but I'm working on an animation uh, specific just for animation and completely to do with all I'm talking about animation from the beginning of animation to, to now, you know, so. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I'll be, I, look, uh, I want to be on that one every episode. <laughs> I, hey, yeah, we could, uh, I could have you on fantastic. as often as you want or as little as you want, or that's, you could even be the co-host of it if you really wanted. Great, it, yeah. it wouldn't make a difference to me. I, I've been, you know, what's funny is I, I've actually sort of dipped my toes in those, those waters a bit because I was like, what one time I was like I was on Twitter and I'm like I'm gonna try out this Twitter Spaces and see what happens. Sure. Figuring no one would show up. Yeah. And like 50 people showed up and we had this great conversation about animation. And Isn't so, that just wonderful? Thinking, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. The thing is, I I lack the sort of uh, uh, I I lack the oomph to actually do any of the technical <laughs> stuff or put sure. this stuff together. So yeah. I'll come on as often as you want. But oh the, man, we can help with that. It, yeah. yeah, we can help with the tech the, side. If if you if you wanted to be a regular co-host of the show with me, then we could work that out definitely. Because uh, uh, I love it. Mike's got all the tech stuff worked out. You, yeah. you would just be, it would yeah. just be me and you discussing yeah, we'll be animation in touch. from the beginning. Oh, we'll I, be in touch. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be all for that. Absolutely. Oh, that's in awesome. The, in the meantime, the other, the other place I want to encourage yep. people to look me up because this is a place that has the least amount of traction right now is, uh, uh, fountains pen comics on YouTube. I, it's awesome. a very shabby, very shabby little channel at the moment, but there are some of the videos from my tutorials are up on there. And some really really dumb jokes in uh, in animated form. Hey, by the way, I will say that um, I, I love your little um, sketch of a character of yourself uh, that you use on Twitter. <laughs> it, it you know what it and again I've told you my love for John Kay and and Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. So it reminds me very much of uh, what was it uh, George American or whatever his name oh, was. Oh, George you know. George Licker. Yeah, yeah, George Licker. Yeah, all American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, you look, you look stunningly like him in maybe a compressed form, it's, you know, it's, it's weird because, well, I, I get frustrated probably about as easily as he does. It's mm-hmm. weird because, um, you know, you, you look at a lot of, uh, a lot of animators and you can automatically point to who their influences are. Yeah. But again, because I wasn't raised in the school of animation, right. like that's me doing my John K style, but I could also be <laughs> drawing in my invader Zim style or my fairly odd parents. Like I, I I'm, 
I, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a chameleon as far as that goes. So. I will tell yeah. you, man, I 100% see it in there. I can it, if I look at it long enough, I can see it all. You know, and yeah, yeah. And, uh, I well, F, I I really really appreciate you being here, and yeah, so much. And I, I also want to thank you for willing to be a teacher to anybody who wants to get into this oh, industry sure. or even get adjacent to this industry. Um, because those kids are out there looking for some direction yeah. and everybody yeah. in their, in their bumpkin household, like Rusty says, is, is yep. telling them you're never going to make any money drawing pictures, you know, and that sort of thing. Right. And so, Absolutely. Uh, boy, yeah, my I, dad told me I'd I never really make any money that. talking into a microphone right. and I've still not made any money. So he's not far <laughs> from the truth yet. Yeah. But really seriously, yeah, thank you for is, that. This this has been an absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, let's, oh, let's do this again. Yes, uh, sir. The fact of the matter is, I had a whole list. You know, I had I had more King of the Hill stuff I was ready to talk about. Oh, we'll so. we'll do it again. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely have you on as again. a King of the Hill guest, and we'll try we'll try to stay more centric to King of the Hill next time. You, but you, uh, you I'll are... also be in touch with you about the uh, the other show too. So yeah. uh, I'm going to work on some of that stuff, and then uh, it'd be great, you know, for you to be my co-host. You're, I, I, would, I would be honored. You're now our official North Carolina cor- correspondent. So. Fantastic. Yeah. It's an honor. How's the weather? <laughs> Surprisingly cold. Yeah. yeah. For March. I All know. Right. It's well, it's it's they call it fool spring. Ah, fool spring. I've fool never heard spring. that. I like I've never that. Heard that either. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I know a lot of fools. I'll let them know. Um, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Ev, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate thank it. You guys. And this was I'm going to, I'm going to grab an email address or something from you from rusty and, yep. uh, you and I'll be in touch and, and we'll see if we can't do something down the line. All right. Zig zig ah, party people. Ah, that's wonderful. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Well, Rusty, uh, I cannot say enough about how uh, John F. Fountain, or just F, gave us his time. I mean, that was just fantastic. That was a really fantastic interview yeah. for an interview that I didn't expect. You know, I told him uh, we usually only take about 30 minutes sure. of his time, yeah. the longest an hour. But, man, it was it was just a lot it of great stuff. It was just fun to listen to. Yeah, I, I mean, wasn't even, like, super interesting I'm, to usually, me. you know, some guests, you start looking at your clock when it gets a little 30 yeah, minutes in. Sure, but I wasn't sure. even worried about the clock. No, no, I really no, no, appreciated no. his time oh, you, for sure. You can see my list here. I had probably... 15 things written down and I kept writing things down and kept writing things yeah, down. Your pages, and he was just, like he was, you were tearing pages off at one that's point. Right, yeah. That's right. Yeah. He, uh, he really answered a lot of questions for me and I, I, I just, I can't thank him enough for taking his time and doing this now real quick, uh, fans of the show, if you're still around, um, we did talk about an animation type podcast. Um, let us know if you'd be interested in listening to something like that, especially if we got, uh, F to be involved in it. Um, that is, uh, Rusty did not see my note, but at the top of it, I said, would he be open to an animation podcast? And then I you didn't brought even it up. see that. Yeah. I brought it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cause it's been so, on my mind for so long to animation podcast yeah. because oh. I, I have a literally a slew of, I have a folder on my Google Chrome tab yeah. with every sure. all the research and everything sure. that I've been doing. Sure. So I think it would be a fantastic show, but I'd love to hear from some fans just see if they'd like it. Yeah, so um, if any of the fans of this podcast, I can't imagine they wouldn't. But nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're if you're a personal fan of this podcast, hit me on the the socials. Let me know what you think about an animation mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hit Mike at info at roguemedianetwork dot com too with yeah, your absolutely. with your ideas suggestions. Absolutely. If y'all like that, then uh, we'll, we'll get it in motion and see what we could cook up for yeah, you guys. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, That's wonderful. Idea. All right, well, tell them how they can get a hold of us. 
Uh, you can find us at Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash B-W-A-A-A-K-O-T-H. That's Bois, K-O-T-H, with three A's. And you can find us on all social media as well if you don't want to go to Linktree. So uh, we appreciate y'all. Hopefully y'all stuck around to hear all the good stuff that uh, F had to say. And uh, I'm going to be in touch with him. And nice guy. Get something cooked up for you guys. And yeah. if not get something cooked up for you guys, uh, I might just, you know, Put a couple hot pockets in the microwave when I get home and have lunch. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being with us, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Wimitanye. Wimitanye. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.